You're listening to the Mini Market Podcast presented by Tellum Sports. We are back. The Mini Market Podcast, episode 10. Little three-man weave here. I'm Dalton here with Lucas and Isaiah. Guys, how are we doing? Double digits, baby. We made it. They said we wouldn't do it. Here we are. I was just going to say, all it cost was one of our four team members. We are down one today. Yeah, busy week. Couple of wild games. Didn't exactly go our way, but Ike, I know you were tuning in. What do you have to say for the wild? Yeah, um, like Lou alluded to a little bit, and you also alluded to it, we're running a three-man weave. We only got three people here. Connor, who usually is our wild guy, does the wild rundowns, is apparently headed to um, Jamaica or something like that for his honeymoon. Um, you know, we might have to have a conversation with him here pretty soon about priorities and values and and what's really important in life. Because um, the rest of us are dedicated, as you can see, it's Friday night and we're here recording on a Friday night. And he's, I don't know, globe trotting. So we'll have to talk to him. But in his absence, I will step up or try to step up and give us a little bit of a wild rundown. It was an interesting week. and we had the highest highs coming off that six-game win streak. Uh, we talked about it last pod, but people were vibing. There was a good mood going on in, in St. Paul at the X, six in a row. It was pretty awesome. Uh, and then we, we knew we had a tough stretch coming. It was going to be our first games against Vegas. So first game against them actually dropped. Dropped a tough one. It was a good game. Um, Wild kind of got outskated a little bit, but they found the found the net pretty well. Felino had two uh, in the second period, so Wild were looking solid. They were up four two going into the third, and basically, you know, looked like they had one in hand through twelve minutes into the third, and then a couple tough goals. Uh, the last goal, especially, uh, it had to be Tuck too, right? It had to be Tuck to be the guy to tie it up in the last minute. Like, isn't that just? exactly how you would draw it up as a Minnesota fan. He's one of those guys that's going to haunt the wild for the next decade and a half. You know, he's going to be the first Jersey retired by the Vegas golden Knights. He's going to be that guy, just career goals against the wild, maybe 20, 25, who knows it's every time we play him, he's putting up points. Just hate to see it. And then he did score again in, in the rematch game, uh, which went significantly worse. They, the Wild dropped that one 5-1. Um, so we kind of got outclassed a little bit. Vegas is fast. They skate hard. Um, and then, you know, we had that kind of interesting thing go on. I don't know if you guys were in tune to Parise getting uh, healthy scratched for the first time since he was a rookie. Uh, I got to imagine if you're Zachy P and you get scratched for a game and the Wild lose 5-1, you know, are you feeling kind of good about it? I don't know. Like, hey. Do you need me? Clearly. I mean, yeah, you, you're, it's just like the guy, you know, who's, who's injured at home. It's like, oh, well, you don't obviously want your team to suck, but I'm with you there. There's got, there's definitely a little something where it's like, Hey, maybe you shouldn't have scratched me. Maybe you still need me. What are we doing here? He's in a weird situation because coming into the year, he, his camp was kind of saying like, he doesn't want to be a part of a rebuild. So if the wild are going to suck, like he's open to waiving his no trade clause. And now they're kind of good. And they're like, you know what? We don't actually need you. So kind of a weird spot for him. Does he want to be here? Does he not want to be here? Does Parise and Evanson, do they have beef? 
that we don't know about. Is there beef there? Because he's been moving him down the lines and now he gives him the healthy scratch. And he, you know, he, he gave this like wishy-washy, like, why'd you do it? He was like, well, we're just looking, you know, for the best thing for him. Like he could, he could use a day of work, like a little day of rest, like that kind of thing. And uh, kind of gave this like, you know, pretty shaded, pretty answer, covered yeah. answer about why he did it. Do you guys think there's beef there that we don't know about? I mean, there very well could be. I mean, is he just trying to send him a message here? Like, if you don't want to be here, then you don't need to be here. Like, what's he doing here? Because, I mean, obviously, big name guy, right? Parise, big name guy, typically one of the top line guys, and he's just moving him down, and now he's just a healthy scratch. Something's, something's definitely up, because that just doesn't happen with some of your, your big name guys on your team. I think there's a Big Mac worth of beef in there. There's a ton of beef under the surface. <laughs> Triple bun, double patty, a lot of beef there. There's trouble afoot. And Dahl, actually interesting that you talk about food because that was my theory in terms of where this beef originated. Uh, everybody thinks that Zach's like a really good guy. And I, you know, I got no reason to believe he's not, but he's a superstar, right? And he's kind of like royalty here. I think that in the cafeteria at the wild training facility, Zach likes to cut in line in front of Everson and he likes to just kind of throw his, throw his weight around, throw his clout around and kind of like, check. yeah, like, Hey, back of the line, new guy, when he walks through and he gets that last cannoli takes it right off. And you know, Everson wanted that. So I think that might be where the beef's coming from, but we'll have to get our investigative journalists on that one a little bit more. Boy, the wild talk really goes off the rails when Connor's gone, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> all right I'll, I'll try to bring us back down to earth here uh a guy that i like is this ryan hartman he, he always feels like he's one of those guys who's in the action he's always there he's always you know he's skating hard and he always just seems the puck seems to find him he seems to be in the, in the right place at the right time and obviously those types of things aren't accidents um he's not a superstar obviously but he seems like one of those guys that a, a team needs if you're going to be good so um he's one i'm looking to see more from he's got you know he's got nine points and three goals on the season uh, uh he's not getting a ton of looks ton of touches that kind of thing but um i like the way he plays he's a hard-nosed kind of guy lou i think you'd like him too hey that description just that does it for me you know big ryan hartman guy now step aside bill kappelman we're <laughs> trading in for somebody new JK Bill, I love you forever. And uh, so my last thing on the wild, and this one is a, you know, hand up, my bad. Um, I was watching the first game of against Vegas. Wild were up 4-2. We scored four goals in the second period. Felino finishes the period with an absolute snipe on Marc-Andre Fleury. He goes upper 90 on him. It was beautiful. It was really beautiful. I was buzzing. I was so excited, like, I mean, I'm a Wolves fan. I diehard Wolves fan, and I have not been that excited in a long time watching any sport. It was electric, and I was fully ready to get on the bandwagon. And I was like, "What better way than to fire off a tweet at Mark Andre Fleury?" So I had some backing with this. It wasn't total bullshit. I wasn't coming out of nowhere. He has in his career, it's his worst save percentage is against the Wild overall with his career with Vegas and with Pittsburgh. And up until these last two games, the Wild kind of owned Vegas for as good as they've been and as bad as we've been since they've been in the league. Surprisingly, we've kind of owned them. That's kind of gone away after these last two games. So I tweet that. The Wild have rent-free prime real estate in Marc-Andre Fleury's head. He goes on to have a good third. I honestly thought he was going to get pulled after the second. 
He goes on to have a good third period. They win in OT. And then he makes 36 saves and only lets up one goal in the next game. And now it's been a year of it's been a year of pandemics, year of epidemics. And I think that Timberwolves fandom is a panda. It's an epidemic. It's a disease. Once we start spilling it over to other sports, we start ruining things for everybody else. So I'm hand up. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to mask up and I'm going to stay in my lane. I'm a Wolves fan. And that's just for the good of the other sports. You know, yeah, Mark Andre probably went back into the locker room at, at half and he was just checking the mentions. And, you know, he probably just saw a little rinky dink, little Zayerman tweeting at him, said, wow, this little bony bitch is going to be, I don't want to say that. Let me take that part out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, <laughs> I thought you got it. <laughs> I just was trying to think of another B word. <laughs> try to write it back in here (sighs) you know but i think i think you're right because apparently steph curry used to do that like he would go into the locker room at halftime and check his mentions if he wasn't having a great game and just come out that's why the warriors were so good in third quarters it was just because steph curry got all the motivation he needed from twitter Maybe Mark Andre did the same thing. Is that a common thing during intermissions in pro sports? Because I read an article the other day that Cat he called his dad during halftime and like had a conversation with his dad, and then came back out and like played better. Are players in there like on their phones just chilling? Like in my head, during breaks, everyone's in there. They're like game plan. They got the whiteboard out, X's and O's. Are they just chilling? Like maybe fire off a tweet, a couple DMs for the local talent on Instagram. Like what are guys doing in there? I mean, honestly, I could see that like in just the we're having a terrible year where, you know, it's the middle of the season. It's just a grind. It's just basically just another day. Nothing's really working. No one wants to be there. Maybe Brian Saunders under his regime. He's a younger guy wanted to involve the technology. Maybe that's what he was doing. Very different approach than I would probably take. I'm kind of on your side. You got to be locked in. It's game time. You got all this other hours of the day, 20 hours of the day else to, to be on your phone, be on Twitter, focus Grandpa? on the game. Come on, cat. <laughs> focus on the game. You know, see, Lou, I think I agree. I think that that's the reason the Wolves are so bad in third periods is, or third quarters. We, we're not, they're just, they're looking at for the honey dips for after the game. A lot of Twitter fingers going on. I think what Saunders should have done, which maybe could have saved his job, is create a series of TikToks that are the second half game plan and then just share them to everybody as they get into the locker room. Have like the assistant coach work on that. Like, hey, this is our game plan. Turn it into a TikTok. We'll share these. And then they can all be on their phones seeing the game plan at the same time. Revolutionary. Who knows? Might be onto something there. I got a question on that. Would you, so we made it to ten podcasts despite the haters, obviously. A lot of haters. But the thing is, nobody listens but our moms, so we really don't have any haters, and so we haven't had to face any adversity. Which the question is, would you guys at halftime be checking your Twitter mentions if you were pro athlete? Do you think you could handle it? No. <laughs> No chance I could handle it. They'd be calling out all of my insecurities. I'd be like, God, they're right. Oh, God, no. 
Yeah, I would have to be one of those guys that just doesn't even look at it. Doesn't look at the good, doesn't look at the bad, but it would eat away at me and I would have to check sometimes and it, that could be a reason for my, you know, up and down, up and down, up and down. Who knows? A truly streaky player. Yeah, I think I'm with you guys. I would be out there looking at it and they'd be like, what's wrong with this guy's posture? Why does he have such bad? I'm like, oh, Coach, I think I, I'm not feeling well. I can't make it for the second half. That's all it would take. So how about the Wolves? Not a super busy week, but Ike, you're also the Wolves guy. So do you have anything to say about the Pups? Wolves suck. And on to the next part. <laughs> Lou, what do you got? I mean, yeah, I've just been thinking about, you know, they made this, Gerson Rosas made this big deal to go get Chris Finch and he wants his guy. And I know it's not his team. It's not his staff. Beasley's now out, arguably the best player on the team right now. Spicy. But like, there's no, it's just like, we're just rolling over and dying. It's like, did they send this message from the top just saying, all right, let's just lose. Let's actually tank and try to get one of these top three picks. I guess it's really out of our hands at this point. But if they did that, it makes me think, why the hell did they fire Ryan Saunders? Why didn't they just let him coach terribly the rest of the year, this awful team, and then go get Chris Finch? I guess maybe they were just scared that someone else would give him a better offer. And then it would be like, well, why would I want to go to a team that has like four wins on the whole season when I could go somewhere else? So it just, I've been thinking about this big coaching change and I haven't really heard much about what he's doing or anything other than that introductory presser. So I'm just kind of, I'm waiting to see a little better results because there have been some bad losses lately. Here's a question for you. I was thinking about this. So Chris Finch gets hired and Two days later, he's got to coach a game, coach an NBA game, roster he's really unfamiliar with, system he doesn't really get. What's the normal job equivalent of that? Is that like you get hired and on your second day, you've got to give a presentation to like the, the board? Like what, what is the normal job equivalent to that? I couldn't draw an exact comparison, but I felt like it was like you show up, they give you a slide deck and they just push you in front of a bunch of board members and are like, all right, go. Good luck. Like what? Like where are the bathrooms? <laughs> yeah what was my login again do you think chris finch regrets it a little bit taking the job do you think he, he's in that timberwolves culture now or he's just like oh this is worse than i could have ever imagined <laughs> i mean yes probably a little bit but no i mean it's been his dream for how long to be an nba coach so i mean i think no he doesn't really have that high of expectations right now right like this team is awful so even if it's slightly better, like say he wins 15 games or 20 games next year, I know, whoa, pump the brakes, Lou, but I mean, that's an improvement, right? So yeah, got nowhere to go but up, essentially, is what I'm trying to say. Okay, I know that last week I said that you got to give them five years together to really give it a chance. But if he wins 15 games next year, he's gone. I'm firing him. You can't win 15 <laughs> games in NBA season. Keep your job. <laughs> yeah, Lou, like you said, why didn't they keep Ryan Saunders around and just keep coaching so poorly? I do think there's a bit of an adjustment process for any new head coach in any professional sports league. So I feel like that was probably the reason they thought they can bring him in. They're going to be bad either way, but he can at least sort of get his footing and install some of his systems for guys who are going to be here multiple years. So 
hopefully he'll get a little bit of that installed over the all-star break so we don't have to witness 30-point losses to the Charlotte Hornets anymore. But it is going to be a rough rest of the season, I think, regardless. Chris Finch did, he did recently after their last loss say that he's looking for guys who want to compete. That was kind of his thing. He's looking for guys who want to compete. And if he needs to shrink down the roster size to find it, he's going to do it. If he's going to shrink down the rotations, which is like a total 180 from the previous week of like, you know, we're just trying everything out. We're seeing what's working. You know, we're going to experiment a little bit to like, all right, we're shrinking it down. Um, thought that was kind of interesting. It's, it's quick. How, how things can change when you lose your first, what was it, seven games? Yeah, I think the roster needs a little bit of structure and sort of like, we're doing this and we're going to follow these. Here are your guardrails. I think he's used that term of like, this is what you can do. This is how you're going to do it. If not, you're not going to play. Because they don't have enough talent or experience right now to have a player's coach of like, oh, here's kind of some structure. Like, go out and do your thing, guys. They need... This is exactly what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. And if not, you're out of the game. I think that'll hopefully help some development of like Anthony Edwards and things like that. Because right now he's just kind of out there chucking threes and it's ugly at times. You know what? They need a special guest appearance from good old Mike Zimmer. He's, he knows what he's doing in that realm, right? Right? He'll find somebody else. Next man up. You're not, you're not going to fit my system? See ya crossover coaching crossover that's fun i would pay to see mike zimmer on a basketball court what do you think he would wear think he's going shorts or you think he's going full sweatsuit (laughs) picture him in shorts what do you think his legs look like (laughs) (laughs) i don't want to know they haven't seen the daylight in 30 years bringing up zimmer though that's a good transition lou so big news out of the Vikings this week. Released longtime tight end Kyle Rudolph. Now it had been rumored for a while on this podcast. We've talked about him being a guy who is likely to go because he had, you know, a big cap hit in the coming year. And so they finally made it official. So he's gone. And we thought he's been around for 10 seasons. Why not look back some of the great moments of Kyle Rudolph's tenure with the Vikes? So we thought we'd do a quick little mini group podium on Kyle Rudolph moments with the Vikes. You guys have any Rudolph moments that really stand out to you? Uh, first, I think before we get there, we just got to talk about, you know, he's going to be missed on the field and off the field, especially uh, want to recognize, you know, he's been nominated the last three seasons, I believe, for the Walter Payton Man of the Year. He's done some great things. Um, so just wanted to give that a shout out here before before going to the on-field stuff. My One of my top moments from Kyle Rudolph was, I believe it was a Monday night football game against the Bears. Uh, they scored a touchdown and he did the duck, duck, gray duck celebration with some teammates in the end zone that got a lot of national buzz. I know everyone else was calling it duck, duck, goose, but come on, we're from Minnesota. Duck, duck, gray duck. That really kick-started the national debate of duck, duck, gray duck versus duck, duck, goose. And it's pretty much 49 v. 1 that it's duck, duck, goose. But I love that. That's a hill that Minnesotans are willing to die on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's take that hill, baby. There's just the beauty of when you're playing the game. You're going duck, 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 gray duck. It, goose doesn't hit the same way. It just doesn't. I've got some Rudolph stats that I 
found. So, you know, he's been around for a while, but I didn't realize like he's even league wide an elite tight end in NFL history. He's tied for 17th all time in receiving touchdowns by a tight end. And he's only one of seven tight ends who have played 10 plus seasons with one team and have at least 48 touchdowns. And if you look at the other names, Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates, Jason Witten, Shannon Sharp, Jerry Smith, Ozzie Newsome, and Kyle Rudolph. That's a pretty elite list of tight ends. So props to Kyle. And then just Vikings specific, he's fifth all-time in receiving touchdowns, 10th all-time in receiving yards. He's 36th all-time in games played. I mean, from 2015 to 2019, he started every single game. So an Iron Man. The best ability is availability. Ooh. Right. I mean, if if you would have told me, like, I mean, I found this out when they released him, you know, Kyle Rudolph's been on the team for 10 years. I would have been like, whoa. I mean, I would have guessed maybe seven. It's just 10 years, a long time. You said it best, Iron Man. Where does the time go? I'll say he really did develop his tattoo sleeves in those 10 years. Really added on. It was a nice progression with those. It was fun to watch that. I got one that I, you know, kind of stuck out in my head was the, and this is an illustrious award. This is something that not everybody wins. It's hard to achieve. It takes kind of like two gates. You got to get through two gates to win this one. So it's pretty cool, pretty big honor. And it's the Pro Bowl MVP on that puppy in 2013. Yeah, he was the first tight end in like 30 years to win it. So, you know, some people say that the game doesn't matter. Um, I might disagree. I'd say it's it's an honor to be recognized by your peers uh, and the fans that you are indeed a stud. And he was a stud, 2013. He w- won that award, had a great game, had a TD, you know, had five catches, 122 yards. Pretty good showing. Pretty good showing. I would say that might be an even bigger achievement than regular season MVP because during the regular season, you're playing, you might be playing teams that are just average, but the Pro Bowl, it's the best of the best and you shine brightest. Cream of the crop, baby. Rose to the top. Way to go, Kyle. I think uh, we also uh, obviously have to mention he's had some pretty sick one handed catches throughout the years that just some terrible, terrible throws from some of the quarterbacks. Some good, some bad where he just bails him out, makes a sick catch, touchdown Vikes. Huge mitts. Huge mitts. I think final touchdowns of Vike was a one-handed catch, right? Back of the end zone. September 27, 2020 versus the Tennessee Titans. Who'd have thought that'd be his last one? Made it good. Way to go. Go out with a bang. I always like his one-handed catches. They always seem to come out of nowhere for him. Like, obviously, a one-handed catch comes out of nowhere, but his are truly like it feels like the ball's going out of the back of the end zone, and his hand comes out of nowhere. It's pretty dope when he does it. So what do we think? Top three here. Um, I've got I've got one. I'll, I'll say it's third. You guys remember, I think it was 2018, right before halftime, bikes were playing the Lions. Hail Mary. Kyle Rudolph pulls it down for a touchdown. Nothing more fun than a Hail Mary to end the half or end the game. I mean, it was a regular season game against the Lions, so it's not like we can toss it up there as the best thing he's ever done. 
but right i was gonna say like hail marys are don't get me wrong are really sweet but it was at the end of the half not the end of the game to win the game so i mean it was pretty sweet i think they ended up going on like a 20 rip run after that and won the game obviously because detroit blows but um either way you just don't see many hail marys anymore and it's so it's it was yeah it was sweet to see him pull that one down i'm in agreement with the ranking i think that's a solid third uh, I've got one I would like to nominate for the number two spot. Um, he scored the first touchdown at uh, the newly renovated U.S. Bank Stadium. So that's always he's going to go down in history as the first Viking to catch a touchdown there. Just a little reference point for you guys out there. The first twin to hit a home run at Target Field, Jason Kubel. So I think they're pretty similar builds, you know, pretty similar players, real gritty guys this isn't a player parallel or anything but you know just the side of thought i'd throw that out there for a little reference remember jason kubel's squinty eyes whenever he was saying he'd always be kind of like blinking and squinting that would explain his average <laughs> zing is it was he one of those blue eye guys who couldn't couldn't hit in the daytime it's not a thing. Is that his that's thing? not a thing i have blue eyes i raked in the daytime <laughs> how do you know what color eyes you have you gotta be kidding me <laughs> disclaimer dalton is very colorblind color challenged. Very. yeah that was that's an interesting touchdown kind of in um vikings history it it came so he scored a touchdown in preseason kind of was the first real touchdown in the US bank stadium the quarterback who threw it to him went by the name of Teddy Bridgewater. Two days later, the man nearly dies, blows out his knee. Uh, Vikes panic. They get Sam Bradford, who is the guy who threw the first regular season touchdown to Kyle Rudolph. So that's kind of like a, I like it at two. It kind of cements a, a very important part of Vikings history there. You can take it to the bank. Ooh, ka And I think... We've all got to be in agreement with number one. It was a touchdown catch against the Saints in OT, in the playoffs. OT win, playoff win, up yours, Saints. That's a trifecta. That's number one on the podium. Kyle Rudolph, shout out to you. What? What push off? What are you talking about? There was no push off, no flags. The head of NFL officiating said there wasn't enough for a foul. Great catch, great win, Vikes. Boom. There it is. Whoop, there it is. So kudos to you, Kyle. I know you're listening on a just an incredible career with the Vikes. You're our Gronk, always and forever. We wish you nothing but the best. Keep on keeping on. It'll be fun to see him win a Super Bowl with the Packers. Oh! I got something. This wasn't, this one's you know, boiling my potatoes for the last couple of days. I'm pretty pissed off. I'm not going to lie to you guys. If you're ready to get angry, you've come to the right place. It's time now for a mini rant presented by Tell em Sports. This, this certain someone 
named Stephen A. Smith, kind of a farce, had had an exact Ooh. take, which is the re- it, the take is the reason that we started this business, that we started this podcast. It was absolutely asinine. So midweek, the athletic comes out with a great piece about Damian Lillard. If you don't know him, he plays point guard for the Portland Trail Blazers. He is amazing. He's one of the best players in the NBA. He's down. One of the best shooters probably all time in the NBA. He is super clutch and he's an awesome guy. Um, if you don't know, I'm a duck. Black. I live in, I live in Portland and they love this. We love love him. He's incredible. He is his family he's had a wave of deaths in his family six in the last year just really heart-wrenching stuff to read it he he kind of bore his soul a little bit um and then he goes out that same night and hits a game winner just in the most damian lillard fashion just hits a game winner. incredible so stephen a smith lifetime lifelong knicks fan who the knicks we don't we're not Stephen getting into the Smith. Knicks. We're not getting in the Knicks. That'll make my blood boil too. We can't have yeah. two people yeah. boiling Steve- at once. So Stephen A. Smith has this take on his show where he basically is like praising Damian Lillard, saying how good he is, which everybody knows he's that good. But then boils it into, but nobody gets to see you. Nobody's heard of Damian Lillard. The man would be an all-star if he played on the coasts. He'd be an all-star if he played for the the Knicks. He'd be an all-star starter if he played for the Lake. And it was like basically saying that Damian Lillard does not exist in the NBA because he doesn't play for the Lakers, the Knicks, the Celtics. And I think that's it. I think that's the, that's his whole list of teams that maybe the Nets now matter to, to Stephen A. Smith. But essentially he's saying that there's only five teams that matter in all of NBA. And this guy, Damian Lillard, who is absolutely incredible, is not, is getting no, no show because uh, he plays in Portland, which is too small of a market for Stephen A. Smith. It made me so mad. It made me so mad. Like it's on the NBA. If, if you're not going to push these games, you're not doing your job as a league to prop up your own stars. And he's a star. Damian Lillard's a star. And it's this idea of over getting overlooked. The small market's getting overlooked, and that's us, the mini market. What is that like? Coastal elitism by these big time analysts of like, well, I want to watch games if they're in New York or LA. Like, everyone knows who Damian Lillard is. You can stay up late and watch him. He's going to be on some primetime games, just especially because they're good. It's not like the. Portland Trailblazers are 10 and 30 right now. Like they're a playoff team in the West. So that's just a ridiculous take to be like, oh, he's irrelevant. The he, the Blazers are better than, I mean, do they have a better record than the Lakers right now? They have a better record than the Knicks. It's just ridiculous. Overlooked markets. No respect. The Knicks are the funniest one because it's like they're so bad, but they think that people want to go there and like play for the Knicks. But it's like, why would I leave a team that I've built in Portland, a community that respects me, that I've been a part of for like eight years to go to the Knicks who fucking suck and have sucked for a really long time. But like every it's every time there's a free agent, the whole like Knicks thing bubbles up of like, oh, yeah, everybody wants to come here. Get out of here. 
going to the Knicks is like going to the Timberwolves at this point. Nobody wants to do it. It is. It's all because it's all these old analysts who like lived through like the Ewing Knicks days when they were this like golden premier, huge market. Like everyone wants to play at Madison Square Garden. They've been arguably the worst run franchise for the last 20 years. They were gifted Carmelo Anthony, who just dragged them into relevance for like six years. And then after he left, they've been terrible. So it's it's dumb. I don't think players want to go there. Like you can go to Brooklyn. You can go to other big markets. There's no reason to subject yourself to James Dolan and the Knicks management. This is dumb. They're the arguably the premier city in the world and they can't attract a free agent basketball player. Yeah, like what's your excuse? Y'all suck. You got no excuse. Same goes for you, Jets. Looking at you, Giants. Also, looking at you, Clippers. You got like the third worst record all time in the NBA. What's your excuse? All right, that's it. I'm done. All right, and now we are moving on, and we are bringing back top 20 trivia. A couple of top 20 lists that these guys are going to try to guess. Wait, who's that dialing into the Zoom call? Connor, it's back. Back in this. <laughs> oh, look what the cat dragged in. Welcome back, Kern. Good to have you. Glad you could make it. Hey, we just were waiting for you. We're back in this. Excited to be here. How's the honeymoon? Anything good to say? Living the dream. All right, next up, the return of Top 20 Trivia. So I've got a couple of lists of top 20 in a statistical category for a given Minnesota sports team. These three guys are going to try to guess that top 20 list. So we're going to go in a circle. Each of you will give your answer. Um, correct answers are worth two points. If you get an answer incorrect, you're not out yet, but every correct answer after that is only worth one point. And then if you're wrong twice, you're out for that list. And then we reset for the second list. So our first list today is top 20 leaders in points for the minnesota wild all-time points leaders for the minnesota wild i'll give you guys a couple of seconds to think it over insert jeopardy music i'll just start naming some good wild players wayne gretzky uh, mario lemieux <laughs> Uh, Jonathan Quick, Kyle Rao, um, Vladimir Putin. Putin had a shorter career with the Wild, but uh, still relevant. <laughs> <laughs> KHL hero, you know. All right. So we're going to go Lucas, then Connor, then Isaiah. So again, top 20 all time in points for the Minnesota Wild. Lucas, start us off. All right, I'm going to go with the recently retired Miko Koivu. Correct. Safe bet. Number one all time. Connor? I will go with Marion Gabrick. Number two all time. Isaiah? Um, Wes Walls. Number 16 all time. Good pull, Isaiah. Uh, I'm going to go with 
Mikhail Granlund. Mikhail Granlund, seventh all time. I'm going to go with Zach Parise. Number three. Ryan Suter. Number four. Top four out. Did you say Brian? No. Brent Burns. Brent Burns, 15th all time. I'm going to go with Brian Rolston. Brian Rolston. 14th all-time. You guys are killing it. That was a good one, Connor. That was a good one. All right. Thank you. Pierre-Marc Bouchard. Yes. Yes, 5th oh, all-time. Good one. Good Great one. one. All right, you've all got six points right now. Nobody has missed, but you have the top. You have six of the top seven out, so it's going to start getting a little dicier. Give me Cal Clutterbuck. Incorrect. I believe he just missed the top 20 list. So, Lou, any correct answer from here on out is only worth one point. I'm going to go with Matt Dumba. 17th all time. Okay, if I get this wrong, it's going to be really dumb, but did Pascal Dupuis play for the Wild ever? 20th on the all-time list. Great pull. Wow. Let's wow. go. <laughs> Great pull. All right. I am uh, I am reaching here for names. But give, me, give me Kevin Fiala. Incorrect. Lou is out. Ah, I figured. Thanks for that. Thanks for having me. I am going to go with Pavel Dimitra. Incorrect. Pavel Dimitra did not make the top 20. So, Connor, any correct answers from here on out are only worth one. Isaiah, you still have yet to miss. Four, three, two. Charlie Coyle. Correct. 10th all time. Yes. Takes the lead with the 10 points, Isaiah does. I'm going Jared Spurgeon. Eighth all time. Is this points just scored with the wild or overall points? Points just with the wild. All right, uh, Eric Howla. Incorrect. One wrong for Isaiah. Connor and Isaiah, you both have one incorrect. I'm gonna go with Jonas Brodine. Correct. 19th all time. Good pull for Connor. All right, you're now tied. You both have 10 points. Lou's got six. I honestly don't think I can. I don't know any more players <laughs> right now. I can't think of anyone. You got to right, give a guess. A second to just think of a name. Um, <laughs> this is going to be good. I'm going to cut this out. <laughs> no, leave it in. <laughs> this is good content. <laughs> Five, four, three, two, one. <laughs> okay. Not even a guess from Isaiah, so he's out. Connor, keep going. Philip Kuba. Incorrect. You're out. 
Good job, guys. I didn't I didn't think you're gonna do I, so. I think well. we did really good as a group. I was surprised at myself there. Way to go. The the pull of the round was Pascal Dupree from Isaiah. Yeah. That was a great pull. <laughs> uh, Jack is browser history on that one. All right, here's who you missed. Sixth all time, Andrew Burnett. That was a dumb one by us. Ninth all time, Jason Zucker, recent guy. Ah, uh, yeah. Eric Stahl at eleven. Oh. Nino Niederreiter, twelve. Jason Pominville, thirteen. And Kyle Brodziak at eighteen. But overall, I, I'm impressed. You guys did well. Andrew Burnett is a bad, a bad miss by us. But that's okay. I would also that's say Zucker is a bad miss considering up. he's married to yeah, Gusty and we're all Gusties. Shine <laughs> on. All right. So after the first round, Connor and Isaiah tied at the top with 10 points. Lou, you have six points. Here's a little bit of a twist on the top 20 trivia. The second list is the 20 most recent Minnesota Twins All-Stars. So if they were All-Stars twice, they only count as one. But it was the 20 distinct players, the last 20 Minnesota Twins who were All-Stars. Keep in mind, every MLB team gets an All-Star each year. So not all of these players are exactly All-Star quality. Second round, we're going Lucas, Connor, then Isaiah. Lou, start us off. 20 most recent All-Stars for your Minnesota Twins. Starting it off with Jose Barrios. Correct. Placido Polanco. Placido Polanco? Incorrect. 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 Uh, oh, oh, no, no. Incorrect. <laughs> Tough miss off Shoot. the bat for Connor. Did he play for the Twins? Placido Polanco. I don't think Placido's ever played for the Twins. No. That should be a re-guess. See, how you feel right now That's is okay, how though. I was going to feel if Pascal Dupuis didn't play for the Wild. <laughs> <laughs> no, the hard part is I know I didn't know who I was guessing. I guessed the wrong person. You had the right person. I'm just an idiot. Jerry's, Jerry's still out. Um, I'll go Bulldozer, Brian Dozier. Correct. 2015 All-Star. I will go Jorge Polanco. Probably wrong. Correct. I will go Joe Maurer. Correct. Joe Maurer, six-time All-Star. Justin Morneau. Justin Morneau, four-time All-Star for your Minnesota Twins. Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz. Incorrect. No, he wasn't an all-star. So incorrect. Nelson Cruz was not an all-star with the Minnesota Twins, despite being team MVP both seasons. Good second halves. Tommy. Michael Kadire. Michael Kadire, one-time all-star, 2011. One of the Twins greats. Isaiah? I was going to guess Kadire, but I just, you know, I can't out of principle. Principal. Um, Johan Santana. Correct. Johan, three-time All-Star with the Twins. Tori Hunter. Correct. Tori Hunter. Surprisingly, only a two-time All-Star with the Twins. Joe Nathan. Joe Nathan. Correct. Four-time All-Star. 
That was a good one. Um, Frankie, Francisco Lariano. Francisco Lariano, one-time All-Star, 2006. Did he start that year? He did not start okay. that year, no. I'm going to go with Glenn Perkins. Glenn Perkins, three-time All-Star. Good pull, Lou. Yeah, I had that one. Nice one, Lou. I'm going to go with Jock Jones. Incorrect. Jock Jones Maudi. was not an All-Star. Connor, you are out. Current score update. Isaiah's got a pretty solid lead. Isaiah has 18. Connor has 13. Lucas has 12. Lou, you're not technically out yet, but Isaiah's going to have to choke, and then you're going to have to go on a heck of a run here. I'd just like to say before I go, find somebody who loves you the way that Connor loves Jock Jones. That's a good point. He's my guy. I think I think you've mentioned him on every pod he's been mentioned. <laughs> like four times. Somehow, some way. Five, four, three, two. JJ Hardy. Incorrect, Isaiah. But that was your first incorrect guess. So now, Lucas and Isaiah, you both have one wrong. So the rest of your points are worth one. And if you answer incorrectly, you are out. I'm going with my gut on this one, and I have absolutely no idea why. But I'm going to say Kurt Suzuki. Kurt Suzuki was the Twins' lone all-star. That's what Actually, I no, thought. Mind. There were two all-stars in 2014. But yes, he was elite in the first half of 2014. That is wild. Nice get, Louie. That was big. Isaiah, what do you have? I'm going to say Miguel Sano. I know he was in the home run derby, so Miguel Sano. Correct. He was an all-star in 2017. Josh Willingham. Incorrect. Ah. And that locks up the win for Isaiah. Isaiah, you want to run the table here? We've got six or eight more. Well done, Ike. <laughs> I'll stop guessing. You could just, you could just tell him. Well done. <laughs> All right. Here are the ones you missed. Tell them sports. Sports.com. Follow us on Twitter at tell them sports. Jake Odorizzi, 2019, was the most recent. Damn it, I had him on my... Uh, Brandon Kinsler, 2017, along with Irvin Santana in 2017. Eduardo Nunez was the Twins' only All-Star in 2016. And then you guys ran the table from uh, 2004 to 2015. Cut that. So the other ones you missed were older, early 2000s. So... Was Brad Radke in there? Brad Radke was not in All there. Right. So um, Eddie Gordado, Everyday Eddie, Ooh. 0203, two-time All-Star. AJ Pierzynski. I hate him. Christian so. Guzman. Wait, Guzman was an All-Star? I would not have I didn't know that. that either. 2001. Shoot. Uh, along with Joe Mays and Eric Milton in 2001. Oh, those are some blasts from the past. Wow. And then finally, uh, Matt Lawton. We actually went over... Um, over 20 but nice. there were you know multiples so i had to include all of them from a given year but yeah so, so some older guys that you you missed but for the most part i mean you ran the table 2004 to 15 and then nunez kind of weird Irvin santana brandon kinsler those are kind of weird names smell baseball
All right, that does it for today. Thanks everybody for tuning in to episode 10. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and check out our blog at tellemsports.com. That's T-E-L-L-E-M sports.com. See ya. Bye. I'll never get those 20 minutes back in my life.